Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing oh. What? To be natural? Yeah, it's ra- you don't want to be I like- said it's rarely bad advice to say just be natural Oh, I thought you Sometimes, though, with some people, really I'm like, motherfucker, do not act like you always act. Like, I have some friends who I'm like, no, no, do not be natural. You need to fucking behave. <laughs> <laughs> the do making you guys of have the sausage. A, a favorite time you've ever played music? What's your favorite time ever playing live music? Just, does it have to be just live? Just in general. Like, uh, like in, does I, it have to be in front of somebody or just mean like playing music at all? I, I, I was thinking in front of people. I mean, yes. That that was what I was. But if you want to, if you want to dance with yourself, Jonathan, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if hey, it was man. in your bathroom with your fucking amplifier, then cool. Was I was in the living room? The amplifier was in the bathroom. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting here. I did some acid a while back, and I fucked playing guitar. The fucking amplifier in the bathroom. I have a recording of it. I might share if you guys want to hear it. And I found this really cool, like Hendrixy kind of had a, um, a phase shifter on so it gives a little bit of that Leslie speaker vibe and, and a bass playing over a bass loop so like a bass drone if you really want to experience the music you're listening to you should do the drugs the people who were making the music were doing when you do that you, I'm serious this is I mean this is just sound fucking advice like it, you will hear it the way they were putting it out there like you, it's like you know with Hendrix man acids it literally is like 3D goggles like I didn't even know I was watching a 3D movie and then somebody's like, oh, try these on when you're listening to Hendrix. And you're just like, holy fuck, you shit, man. That's in 3D. So, I was playing guitar to it. Wait. It was amazing. Okay, so that's, so that's your favorite tone when you were... You no, were that was just one of my favorite times ever playing guitar, period. It was... Okay. But, okay, I get it if Hendrix is playing a live show and he's messed up on acid. Yeah. But do you think he actually sat and, like, came up with the riffs and wrote the songs? Very possibly. Sure. Drugs? Sure, sure, possibly. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't agree with that. I'm not really asking if you agree with. It. I'm just telling you. Like, I'm just. I'm, and I'm not. <laughs> right. Well, and I don't I, care if you're asking. So I, you're just throwing in your two bit. I'm sure it was fucking amazing. Are you kind of sending my fucking favorite music experience? <laughs> I just shared with you after you asked for it. <laughs> no, is that what? Is no, that what's I mean, going on here? No, listen, listen. Well, no, I'm curious <laughs> that I'm curious if I'm curious if if you think that most of like the best songs or the musicians we like wrote the songs. All fucked that's up. Not that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Periods when they're not fucked up. Well, to be clear, I, I'm not. I'm not making a, a proclamation on that. But I'm. T- I do listen to a lot of live Hendrix, and you can definitely tell, like, like a Woodstock or maybe especially Monterey Pop. Monterey Pop, you can tell by the way he's talking that he's fucking everywhere. He's all over the place. He's high as shit. Like at that show, you can tell. He's talking about fat sure. mattresses and all this crazy. Calling Noel Redding the bass player. He's calling him Bob Dylan's grandmother, and it's all this just out there shit. And so when you, but when you hear somebody and you're on the, really the same wavelength they are, it's really, it's really cool. So your favorite time ever playing music was on acid with your amplifier in the bathtub. Bathroom. And Not in the bathtub. That's crazy talk. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but from the do toilet. you, okay, that's a, that's a, that's a good answer. That, that's fun. But do you, ha- what's your favorite time ever playing music in front of people? Does anything come to mind? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, it, you know, there's a, there's a famous quote. Um, we don't remember days. We remember moments. And what are the moments? I don't know. I usually have my eyes closed, so it's kind of hard to remember. Like it's, I don't know. But, you know, we definitely we've had some fantastic times, no doubt. I remember hell playing a uh, street fighting man with Joe singing and and you playing Lee O'Brien's. at O'Brien's. Yeah. That that even just that shit's fun. Yeah, I definitely remember that vividly. It was great. That was a good time. 
It's hard to say like my favorite like singular moment of playing live music. I mean, it would probably be more of a time because you don't really, it all kind of passes by like as many people as you make eye contact with. Even though like when I'm talking about playing music live, I'm talking about playing in packed bars in Los Angeles, not 2,000 seat arenas throughout the world or the United States or whatever. I would say my favorite time playing live music was when we first started as when the three of us first started as a band when we... I don't know, 2010, 2011, and we were playing like Friday nights at the basement in Santa Monica and Saturday nights at uh, Villains in uh, downtown LA before downtown was what it is now. And there was nothing in the warehouse district but that little crazy bar. That place was really fun. You know, we were like on the ride stage. It was always packed. People were getting into it. We got, what, dollar Paps Blue Ribbon, I think. PBR Maybe. on draft, or if no, we got free, free PBR on draft, and and then the, Josh is like my favorite time that. playing music was that time we saved all that money. We, we saved so much money. That, that was the best that time. That hot ever. dog, they had that, that giant time? hot dog. Oh, that was that delicious. We saved all that money. Um, it was amazing. And, and then on Sundays we were playing on the on Jonathan's porch in yeah, Venice yeah. Uh, next to Oscars. I mean that was like it was like every weekend for about three months we were playing three nights. Well, Every yeah, weekend. I it's hear crazy. what you're saying because the basement uh, when we used to play there it mixes into just one great gig in the basement kind of thing, you know, like it all mixes together into like all the memories because you can't tell which one was which really. It, it, I mean, it depends too because like playing in a band and like a pack bar where everybody's drunk where you're not really sure if they're into like you. I mean, you know, you're not terrible because everybody's dancing, but you, somebody could be in there playing Cardi B or whatever, which is a completely opposite like genre of music that we're playing, and they'd still be dancing. So you, you're providing yeah. entertainment for people, and that's a very <laughs> fun vibe and a very fun atmosphere. Yeah. You're making eye contact with people and stuff. but And that's different than like playing like a more intimate show where it's just you acoustic or you as a duo or a trio where like more people can hear you and people are actually paying attention to what's going on, and they're like really focusing in on what you're doing. I mean, I mean the, those times are just as, I don't want to say fun, because I feel like they're more nerve-wracking. Well, I asked you guys, because I came ready with some answers here. I have three for sp- different specific reasons. Um, <laughs> hey, fuck you. No, Do you want to listen to me? I feel like I have three favorite times. No, it's just funny. Just give us one of the three. Just give <laughs> us one of the three. three. times. Come on. <laughs> well, um, when we played at the Hotel Cafe... That was fucking awesome. And I think that was because of sound quality. It was one of those times where um, just on the stage, as soon as I played, uh, plugged in, played the first couple notes or the f- first solo, there's those times when you're playing guitar when the sound and the tone is just perfect. Which time that we played at Hotel The time Epics? when we recorded. Was... Not the but time when I was stuck time. in traffic because of a bomb threat. Not <laughs> where that you time. and our keyboard player, bomb threat. the 101 shut down because of a bomb <laughs> threat, and neither one of y'all got there until 10 minutes after we started. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Jonathan, I know you know what I'm talking about. Just guitar tone. Like oh, yeah. When you, you hit that first chord and you know your pedal is set perfectly. So whenever you punch it for a solo, you know it's not going to be too loud. It's going to mix right in. And you have nothing else to think about other than just you can get right in the music. Because so many gigs for sure can be so temperamental because you could be so inspired. But if the sound sucks, you're like, whatever. That's the worst. You're this, fucked. This is, Absolutely. Yeah. My second was when we played the 4th of July parade because it was just such a spectacle on the back back of of a truck truck. riding through Santa Monica Main Street with just, I mean, how many people were there? Thousands, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Well, but they probably heard like... 
Oh, five not yet. seconds of us playing a Skinner yes. song as we, yeah. as we yeah. <laughs> as little we southbound Main Street. Um, <laughs> oh my yes, God. well, that had that had nothing to do with sound quality. That was just more us being buddies on Fourth of July, you know, rolling down Main Street on the bed of a truck playing. That was fun. Absolutely. And my third one was when uh, I was in Boone, like when I was like 22, 23 at the Caribbean Cafe. Um, Jonathan, you know that spot. You might have even I, been at this gig. I may have been at the gig. Uh, it was when we were in the rubber band, and the keyboard player was playing a Hammond. He asked me to switch. Uh, he wanted to play guitar on the song, wanted me to learn the organ part. And I did. And uh, it was my birthday, and it just felt so good to play this organ solo and really never never playing much organ, but sit up there on my birthday, tons of people there playing this organ solo, and the song was Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. I learned the whole organ part with the solo. And oh, nice. It, I, just felt, I felt like a real badass. It was just, it was, I was so young. Nice. Was a, we, were, we were kind of a big band in town, and just switching up, being able to just put on aviators on my birthday and play this organ solo. Avi- it was nice. so fun. But anyway, we're here to talk about that specific song exactly <laughs> now we're talking uh, okay anyway okay. this is pod gave rock and roll to you this week we'll be talking about this song don't dream it's over by crowded house i'm dreaming this podcast uh, is over neil you picked this song so why don't you tell us why we're talking about don't dream it's over by crowded house <laughs> get out um, of my we're ear talking <laughs> We're talking about this song because I think it just has it has an amazing sound overall. I love how it's melancholy but kind of like uplifting and hopeful at the same time. I think it's very unique just in its overall sound and tone. Um, I think it's really good songwriting, composition, production. Although it's very like very 80s, I think it's kind of timeless because just the lyrics and the chorus are so great. I, I wouldn't say... The verse lyrics get a little abstract and weird, but I just love the don't dream it's over, build the wall between us, we can't let them win. I just love this song. It's one of those songs that like when somebody mentions it, you know, you're like, what song? And they half-ass sing it, the hook, and you go, oh yeah, I like that song. But when you listen to it a couple times, you're like, eh. First of all, it's got a nice optimistic like message. And like Neil said, it's got the tone of the guitar is really nice. But the piece overall, I'm not a big fan. I don't hate it. I don't really like it. When I think of this song, I think of one word. And from that one word, I have three points. The first one is good songwriting. The second one is New Zealand. And the third one is Deluge. And I think this is probably the only song I've ever heard that actually uses the word Deluge. (laughs) Which I was like, holy fucking, did he say Deluge? Like in a Mm -hmm. pop song? I think it's a great song. I mean, it's extremely well written. You can't... It's a little melodramatic, and I think the the production hasn't aged the best. Like it's not a timeless '80s song. Like there are other bands I think of that. Like I think there's some NXS stuff that is kind of of the same vibe. That like Devil Inside, like that doesn't feel as dated. Obviously, Guns and Roses, that stuff doesn't feel dated at all. But um, I think it's a damn good song. It, like a little melodramatic, a little wordy, but uh, I think it's a great song. The songwriting is kind of timeless, but not the production because it, it sounds so 80s. And I've talked about before how I don't really love that chorus sound on a guitar, but right. I think this is a good example of it. I, I think just it's got so many parts to it. I love the bass line is cool, like 
There's a lot of little guitar work going on throughout it, just little like flourishes and whatnot. The break, I love the solo break that starts with the organ and then goes into just kind of this four bar guitar part that ends with kind of like some descending cool licks. The guitar tone is pretty cool and it's nice. It sounds really nice. The Hammond also sounds nice. It's very reminiscent of Procol Harum, Wider Shade of Pale. Reminded me of that since we talked about it recently. But the instrumental break was absolutely mediocre. And mm. like I, I, I didn't think there was anything. Yeah, I think I think Josh it, it added nothing for I me. I think Josh feels the same way about that as you do about the long December guitar solo. And I think there, you can make a case oh, that there's the, some parallels. I thought about that, but no, I there. think the the way it goes from organ to the guitar part, and at the end, like. It's more. It's got more balls to it than the long December thing. It doesn't just repeat the same thing over and over, and, it, and it's 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 kind of a chord based solo. And then at the end, there's a lot of like little descending licks that drive right back into the um, the verse, which. Um, I can see, I can see how someone would think that, but I I think the fact that it has the it's it's very compact and has two different instruments that kind of flow together into into kind of one break is really nice. I think and just to this song, it's it's a very good composition. Yeah, I do like the the chord work in the solos. It's definitely fun, and I'm not and I'd probably say it's a better solo than the Long December one. But I'm just saying you could argue there's parallels where. It's yeah, more texture. Sh- it's kind of texture. Not that it needs yeah, to be shredding, but like I mean, but there, it is. there again, the um, I think too. This may be the issue is that the what he's playing just sounds like a continuation on the keys of what's being played under the vocals. So it's like there's no. It didn't really feel like. It just feels like there's no vocals more than it feels like a solo. When they bring the Hammond organ in for that break, I I, I do like that. It sounds great. And then it almost falls into okay. We need to continue a musical break for a little bit here to like take I, up some time. Yeah, that, I, that's how I. I totally it. disagree. I mean, I love how it goes up into that. It it kind of rises into that. It it almost the guitar part just ascends and then drops back down into the verse. It's boring. In uh, my in opinion. your opinion, yes. It it's not showy, but it's uh, it it fits with the song very well. So you're saying the song is boring. No, I said the solo isn't showy. No, no, it's it, yeah. Something can be simple and 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 not the most invigorating solo of all time, and still be a good, very appropriate, well, very fitting solo, which I think it is. Yeah, you know, I would and agree I think no one other than you know someone who picked the song or listens to it a lot is gonna even notice that. I think it fits right in. You know, no one's gonna be like, "Oh, I love that solo," and "Don't Dream It's Over." It's ripping. It's it's just part of the same kind of thought. For me personally, it doesn't add anything to the song at all. The organ, I like the organ. Just keep the organ going for a couple more bars and then go back into the song. I don't need that. Well, the, the organ's part of it. I'm talking about the whole thing. Like the, it's not even a guitar solo. It's just a couple bars. Like I'm talking about the whole break. I think about it as a solo. I think of it as a musical break that is unnecessary after the Hammond. Well, I think one thing that Josh may be factoring into what you're saying is. It, it starts to push the song a little long. Maybe if you nip a, like four or those eight measures out, the song feels a little shorter and sweeter and a little more concise. Because I'm not going to say the song's too long, 
because it's like like four and a half minutes maybe it's somewhere in there like and it's I feel like if it was like 355 350 and you nip some of that out it might not be a bad decision production wise that being said I do like that musical break I don't mind the break well, it's if you if you look at the structure of the song, I mean, the song is basically there's two halves, and they're and they're both the same in terms of musically. It's 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 verse, chorus, verse, chorus, break, and then it just repeats that, and then you're out, which is fine. But I, I think the Hammond organ accomplishes that without the the musical break. Now, I, I do think there there's two things you remember about this song, or two things I remember about the song. There's the the guitar tone like uh, on the intro the boom bop bop boom bop bop There is freedom within There is freedom and, and then the hook those are the only two things that are memorable to me about the song and so this musical break is just meh the rhythm, the rhythm uh, structure of how he's playing that song is something called Maori rhythm from New Zealand. I'm, I'm sure there's many names for it. It's just like the bone. It's it's on the two and the four. The accent, boom, bam, bam. It's it's very from their land. <laughs> this song was voted on. I don't know what year, but maybe 2007 or 2009 as the second most popular song ever in, from New Zealand. And the first one yeah, is a song called that. Nature by Formula, which is sp- spelled very strangely. It's F-O-U-R-M-Y-L-A. Not a good song. It's, it's from like 1969. <laughs> I had never heard of it or heard it before. I listened to it this week. It, it's not good. That was just a little well, and interruption in this. Too, I don't think the music break is too long. I think the song gets a little wordy. And from what I said starting out, I think there is like some mediocre lyrics and some just great lyrics here some epic lyrics but some of it is just like i was driving in my car with the the roof came off what does he say i i have one question for you about the lyrics neil how many steps does it take to get to your heart (laughs) keep walking keep walking five six just keep walking twelve it's, good, it's gonna be it's gonna <laughs> it depends, be worth it, it depends Josh. on who you are it's gonna be worth it <laughs> so, well yes that's not a great line but you gotta admit that there's there are some great lyrics in here it's it's not it's not from front to back great but i think the great lyrics that are in it make up for anything like the steps to your heart well what's cool about it is i don't really notice those lyrics so i mean if you sit there and read them it's one of those songs where if you really dig into the lyrics maybe it's you know but it, 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 these aren't things that jump out. But what's cool is about is how the verse works on a descending, because it always ends on a down note. And then that hey now, hey now is like uplifting. And then that falsetto chorus, like three different textures going on that leading you down. It's like misdirection, then it lifts. And then that real high, like really cool melody on the chorus. It's, mm-hmm. it's great songwriting. It's Beatlesque. Like it's definitely like, I don't know about the lyrics, but like yeah, they're not important. And I know he. Um, well, you, I think when he mentions paper cup, he was kind. It was kind of almost a nod to Lennon. Oh, uh, you know, because he can't even life. think. Putting paper cup in a song, you can't really think about across it the universe. Oh uh, yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> you, you do you like listen to it? And I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, that's a nod to the Beatles, and that came out. The, the lyrics to me are are kind of irrelevant. I mean, the, the the message of the song, and the hook, and the chorus is a song of like hopefulness and optimism and like well they have another song that and people so, dig it 
that something so strong, which is also a good song. It's another oh, 80s. Yeah. It's so good. It's I like that song better. Than solid this one song. For sure. And so the fact that they have two really solid songs, you know, that puts them on pretty good footing. Once again, it's not a song that like you can't find fault with, but it's a damn good song. It's a better song than most people write. Let's put it that way. Much better than the song. But it's also another song with a really great hook where the rest of the song is kind of That's eh. okay. But no, it's great. I mean, like that they were able to like write two really good hooks. This song is I would say it's almost like a shtick song. I, I know last week when we were talking about Waiting on a Friend, I, I said it was like a guilty pleasure, of like my like Rolling Stones guilty pleasure tune. I feel like this is like a guilty pleasure song. Yeah, I can see that. I never feel Go guilty ahead. about pleasure. And <laughs> it song. reminds me of the Tom Petty uh, saying of, don't bore us, get to the chorus. It's it's that it's very it's you can you can make the same case a lot of Tom Petty's lyrics aren't fucking genius either but they're good songs yeah true and I that's think, a good point I think a lot of songs are like that I think there's I mean unless you're talking about Dylan or great lyricists a lot of songs are get me to the chorus and the the verses can be more filler so here's the thing uh, let's go ahead and say what no way else seems to be willing to say Prince's lyrics fucking suck. His lyrics are so dumb. <laughs> purple haze. Well, I mean, not purple haze. Purple, purple rain. Pur- pur- purple. Haze. When doves cry. Did like when doves cry. Like come on. Like those are atrocious lyrics. His lyrics are, and everyone talks about what a genius he is. He can definitely play. He's one of the best producers of all time. But lyrically, these lyrics are better than Prince lyrics. You know, I once read something. Tom York said he was like, "Look, if we have a really good melody and like I find words that sound really good with it, I just go with them." I'm not worried if they have yeah, any meaning. Yeah, it's just texture. Like, if it's, like, that was after In Rainbows, and it was like, it's, I think it was the Weird Fishes or weird fish. fish Arpeggio. It's like, yeah. if I find something that fits in the melody, like, and it sounds great, I don't care. I'm not worried about the but meaning at that point. But to point. your point, Josh, it sounds like they had to force these fucking lyrics into the melody. It sounds like these lyrics must have come first because they cram them in there. Like, so I don't yeah, really I wonder, think they just found words like the, to suit like this Like, to melody. your point, the deluge thing. Like, right, how, it's like, why did, like, how did, did come, anyone try to talk him out of that? Or right. he's just like, deluge is... In the There's so many. There is freedom within. There is freedom without. It's not even that. It's the. It's the. It's like there's so many syllables in there that it sounds like the lyrics must have come first. I do think the the lyric though is contingent upon. It's almost the lyric in this song is creating a vibe of optimism, and that's that's all they're concerned about. It it's not something that's linear. Well, at first though, at first though, it's not. At first, like I said, it's misdirection. It gives you all the fucking dark shit. It gives you all the like things that bring you down and then they they misdirect it and then they bring it on the hey now hey now that's the optimism it's like hey shit can get bad sometimes but they set a dark tone first yes we we can go a little early into under the influence here because i i was trying to think who okay so this song was released in 86 87 Mm -hmm. i was thinking like what does this correlate with it doesn't correlate with like the big pop stars of the 80s like springsteen madonna michael jackson whitney houston it doesn't really correlate with like Well, hold on. Hold on. So it doesn't really correlate. I mean, it doesn't correlate with like men at work. I mean, it doesn't really sound like that. I think it it, it sounds more like, say, like indie American music, like the replacements, like a softer version of the replacements. You know who uses. Not necessarily like REM, but like. You know who who uses this formula, and you can listen to almost every song on his first big album that um, Under the Table and Dreaming, Dave Matthews? That whole album Mm -hmm. is dark, minor verses. And big optimistic courses. The whole well, six years later, though. I mean, you right. Know, yeah. he, so he's a perfect age to be influenced by that stuff. But I think, sure, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and in that same vein, the same time, I think uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket sounds a lot like these guys. Actually, were they around in the eighties? No, no. I was saying the same time as Johnny uh, was talking about. But I think at the time, 
Yes, they didn't sound like Springsteen or you know. It was kind of George Michael, but like, but Tears for Fears, that kind of mm, stuff, definitely sounds like. Yeah, that. Tears for um, Fears for sure. It it kind of also has like almost an Elvis Elvis Costello kind of vibe. A little Duran Duran, like some of those Duran 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 ballads have that vibe. Mm-hmm. I had, I yeah, it's weird. I don't like. I was trying to think of this song as a ballad, but it doesn't strike me as a ballad. I mean, it's a little melancholy musically, but it, it's not a straightforward ballad. Like it, it's not. You say it's a power ballad. Uh, you know, no. <laughs> It's not uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn I mean, or like is. Ordinary World by Duran Duran. I mean, like, it's not as ballady as those songs. Ordinary, it's I think, that, I think this different. parallels it's more ordinary, like an indie song. I think this song, parallels think. Ordinary World pretty good. Uh, Give me a better comp. Give me a closer one. I don't think it's a ballad, so I can't think Why of a ballad, a ballad that it what, sounds what, like. What, what are your parameters for ballad? How does it... I would say it. it, it rem- I would it say shanty? it's more. I would say it's more related to like the replacements. Can't hardly wait than it is to ordinary world. But, but I'm asking no. about what are your ballad specifications from the '80s? I don't know. Whatever you got, man. Just give me some. I mean, when I think of ballad, I usually think of '80s okay. ballads. Okay. Then what? What are <laughs> you just specifically? 80s? Okay, fine. Then what are your what, ballads I, I, ended I just, in the '80s? I think because I grew up and you had all these like, so ballads like, and these albums on, on, on TV and they were like trying to sell you like 80s ballads, you know, like 70s ballads were like, don't go breaking my heart or something like that. Oh, that's not a ballad. Not, I, I love that song. A ballad, ballad is a type song of song. song. <laughs> Every Rose Has a Thorn. That's a, that's a fucking ballad. <laughs> I don't a, think it's subjective. What a the Carpenters is. have a bunch of ballads. They're great like, too. The, but they're di- they're different and better than like every rose has its thorn. Look, no one or, sings as good as Karen Carpenter, so like that's a whole other conversation. She's literally one of the best singers ever. But uh, a band you brought up earlier too, I think NXS, they kind of has that sound. I never mean, tears. Really. They're they're yeah. They're like a um, you know. They're never quite as rock. dark, dark and serious. They're pop. Know? They're pop. We can't look past the video. For this song, I, as we I have, about. I have, I have. I haven't I seen the video. I usually, I'm usually all about the video. I watched about 20 seconds it, of it. It is not. I mean, it's it got, such an 80s made for MTV. It got music nominated. Video. And when you watch that stuff, and you're like, music videos used to exist for this yes. purpose, like to, to but, for programming on MTV because it's old the, records for the time. It was apparently pretty good because it got nominated for Video of the Year. It's not a bad idea. I mean, it's basically them walking through a house, like in different decades or centuries, and like in different rooms, and showing yeah. you, you know, the what, like the history of the house. But the video itself, I mean, it's so dated. And we're just talking different technology at that time. Okay, real quick, just tell me, like, when you think of favorite video, just, just nothing. Don't have to go deep in it. Like, tell me, tell me one of your favorite videos of all time. Uh, Beastie Boys, fucking Paradise City. Dude, the fucking yeah, oh, Paradise yeah. City video oh, is so good. But yeah, the Beastie Boys, that's so Which good. one? And Beastie Boys is a band, Josh. Uh, so What You Want. Sabotage. No, I would, no. I would go with... Oh, so um, What You Want was so good. I can't think of the name of the song where they're <laughs> all in the cop uniforms. Sabotage. Uh, sabotage. Sabotage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that sticks out to me in terms of a video. <laughs> Thrillers. Huh? I mean, yeah, Thriller and Beat It. You can't go wrong with those. I, rem- I remember hearing Welcome to the Jungle for the first time and being like, holy fucking shit. Who the fuck... Who is this? Apparently... Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy, uh, apparently David Geffen had to call the head of MTV or Viacom, whatever, and be like, look, man, I need you to play this. Because they would not play Welcome to the Jungle. Like, they refused to. And they played it, right, w- and they played it like midnight. They played it once in the middle right. of the night and everything just lit up. Favorite video of all time, Waiting on a Friend. That's a great one. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> what are you laughing? You laughing at my emotions? You laughing at my fucking, my loves? So, what, so we talked about the, the 
under under the influence. But what about uh, under the covers? Did y'all listen to any cover? I did. I did. Um, there wasn't much. There wasn't many great covers. I found some stuff on YouTube. One that was interesting because uh, Fleetwood Mac did it. Oh, really? Um, but it was only huh. two years ago with uh, Neil Finn and Stevie, Stevie sang the last verse. So it was cool to hear him do it, but it wasn't anything to write home about. But my favorite cover was I stumbled onto this YouTube channel called Puddles Pity Party. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. No. It's Thankfully. This, it's pretty amazing. It's this guy. Excuse me. It's this guy who dresses up like a clown and sings like uh, just he's a great. Is his name Puddles? I Yeah, I imagine. He's just playing the song, a really cool version of the song. He kind of changes the melody a little bit. But apparently he has a ton of followers on YouTube and does like tons of covers. Super serious. He never talks. He just sings in this creepy clown. Is he tall? Is he really tall? Yeah, he's tall. And he almost has a really baritone voice. He's part of that. Not um, quite as baritone as Crash Test Dummies. He's part of that um, something new age. It's not new age, but something jukebox. The the chick who did um, cover like all about that bass. She did the... uh, the uh, acoustic jazz version of that all about that bass tune it's like it's not the jazz jukebox but yeah that's what it is and so i so here's the thing i actually saw that shit live so what it is is this guy is like a producer and he gets all these badass like singers and they do different versions of this song or different songs and so there's this chick who's playing stand-up bass and playing that tune all about that bass and, it, and it's very like loungy and it's it's super cool man i can't believe it was really like it went viral but the puddles pity party I, I would recommend you guys check that out i had to go down that rabbit hole and watch some of uh some of the different songs he's done he's done a lot of cool ones man yeah I, I don't none of them stood out because i i was just kind of clicking through quick he's probably got hundreds that are very well produced good videos it's cool yeah it's um the 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 group he's part of it's almost like a collective it's called the postmodern jukebox and like they played at the staples like not they played at nokia and so i saw him there at nokia and that's i didn't i didn't make the connection because i did because when he came out like everyone was like cheering and shit so there's a guy named paul young covered it in like 1989 i I have no idea but it doesn't sound great and then the uh, the, someone in new zealand did like a maori version the language you were talking about and then there's a band from like the late 90s sixpence none the richer which is (laughs) i I, didn't even click on that i didn't want to hear it's 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 i I would almost it's just as good if not better than the original well there there was one more i was was on youtube and i clicked on it it was rob thomas doing it on his couch uh that lasted five seconds (laughs) well they actually because it's a rob thomas i don't either but he's fine i mean they i I, I respect him but i don't like listening to him Crowded House actually did a COVID separation one on like in their individual studios or whatever in the last year, which is fine. And then Miley Cyrus and Ari- yeah. Ariana Grande did one, which that, I don't like Miley Cyrus's voice. So there, it was I don't cool though. Really, it was like, really like it looked like they were in like a backyard on drugs, like sitting on a couch singing it. I watched a video of them doing it, kind of in this this Australian kind of uh, pop show, and I found it hilarious because. They were singing, but they were not playing. I think maybe the drummer was playing, but that was about it. Because he's playing guitar, and he's not playing to the same rhythm. Like, you can tell he's not playing. And then he turns around and pretends like he's playing the organ. Never good. And then he turns back around, starts playing guitar. And then when the organ comes at the end, he's just like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> like doesn't even like I'm not even going to fake it anymore. But... 
but it, but he sang it very well. I mean, it was definitely like they were singing it, but they just used the track. It was funny. And yeah, P- Paul Young was never associated with Bad Company. It was Paul Rogers, which I thought was the case, but I just want to be clear yes. about that. In saying that, now we come to our Does the Shoe Fit Jonathan. Yeah, it fits like a pair of Reeboks from the 80s. <laughs> Velcro, high tops, all black. But the, hey, man, it still fits. Neil, how does the shoe fit? I picked the sock. It definitely fits <laughs> like a glove. Like it fits like a glove <laughs> on your feet. Okay. Uh, you know the, the feet glove, the glove. The, feet, uh, the, oh, the little toe yeah. with, uh, with individual toes. I, I'll stick with China. That fits like a pair of pumps. So like I pump up and then I get tired of pumping up. Bonos, fucking um, Bonos, New Zealand pop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where do you want to hear this song, Jonathan? I don't know. Actually, really, where I'd want to most hear this song, it'd be fun to play this song live and pull it a little more. Not country, but just like, uh, not pop. Like pull it and maybe even nip out some of those words to where it's not so goddamn verbose. Eh, but I can see that. but but beyond it's great. It's a great chorus. It's good. It, it'd be because like if you replace those synth sounds with like fiddles and stuff, it could be really it could be cool. I would like to hear the song. Another uh, reason I chose it is because I we were leaving a wedding, uh, Michelle and I one time, and just driving away from like a nice weekend or a vacation, like about to hit a road trip putting this on just because it's like don't dream it's over it was just, it's just such a good song to leave like a a cool time or, or kind of just like you know don't dream it's over it was, it was what a great time we just had yeah so and i would agree with that I, I, the only time i'd want to hear this song is like last call the night's almost that's a pretty over. good it's better than so, fucking and closing kind of buzz and like it would, i would i would have fun to hearing this song because again i think it's kind of a shtick song it's so. appropriate too for last call yeah, Don't dream. Of course, better than closing. I imagine. Time. It, I imagine it was. I, I bet it was a good song in 1986 yeah, or 87. Yeah, and to your like, point, I think popular. I think anytime anything's ending, last call when you're leaving a wedding, leaving a vacation, a trip. Anytime anything is ending, you're like, eh. Don't dream. I, I, I want to hear the song at fucking. I don't know. Whenever it was, 2001 at fucking Caribbean Cafe with Neil playing the fucking <laughs> keyboard solos because I was probably there. I was probably, you probably there. Were. Cause I I I'm used sure to, I was, worked there. What was my birthday too? You probably yeah, were there. Yeah, I'm sure I was. But I worked there, man. And that was the place. Like uh, it was the, the wing place, right? This the the wing. Yeah. And like it was oh, just yeah. buckets of fucking chicken blood, and there were oh, there God. were bars on the window. <laughs> and between me and the the door where I left, it was just all the fryers. So if there was ever a fryer, I like there was ever a fire, I couldn't have got out the window. That being said. That's the first place I heard a boy named Sue. I'd never heard it, and it was just playing front to back and like listening to the Shell Silverstein unfold with Johnny Cash. Like when I was washing the chicken blood, and it was it was almost worth it. All that bullshit just to hear that song like that. I was there with this girl I liked, and one of her friends we were getting wings, and they wanted like the the super hot wings. I was like, sure, sounds great. I had one bite. <laughs> And, like, it turned into an immediate emergency situation. I was sweating. I had to go to the bar and get, like, milk and Guinness. Like, fucking something. Stop this. The fucking Guatemalan insanity pepper? It did not work out with the girl. Was that what it's called? From the, the, Sim- the Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. This is the Guatemalan insanity pepper. When fucking Homer puts the uh, all the wax in his mouth and he eats the whole pepper and he has, like, a vision quest and the, and the coyote <laughs> yeah. is Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. It all comes back to Johnny Cash. <laughs> Nice. And on that note, we're about to play the song. (laughs) 
There's a freedom within There's a freedom without Try to catch the deluge in a paper cup There's a battle ahead Many battles are lost But you'll never see the end of the road While you're traveling with me Hey now, hey now Don't dream it's over Hey now, hey now When the world comes in They come, they come To build a wall between us There's a hole in the room My possessions are causing me suspicion But there's no clue In the paper today Tales of war and of waste But you turn right over to the TV page Hey now, hey now Don't dream it's over Hey now That's going to do it this episode. 
Next week is my week, and we will be talking about the Almond Brothers whipping post. What? Tune in. And that's going to do it for this week. Uh, the cover you just heard was performed by uh, Neil Marsh uh, on the guitars, Josh Bond on vocals, Jonathan Horton on bass, and then a few of our friends throwing in some harmonies there. If you like the pod, please subscribe. And if you would like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, the handle is at PodGaveRock. Can't wait! <laughs>